Would you do me a huge favor and please welcome all of those who have joined us live on Facebook and through our website. It's not really a new website. I'm thankful that you guys joined us and you were able to find us. We are at EuniceChurch.com. Same, we didn't change any of our, our corporation. We're still New Hope. We didn't even change our website up that much. We just kind of adjusted a, a couple of things, upgraded some things, and, and we changed our church to EuniceChurch.com because when somebody moves here and is Googling a place to go to church, we want EuniceChurch.com to pop up on the very top and then click on it and find a, a new hope that they may not have known before. I also want to uh, welcome, he, I think he just stepped away for a moment, but a keyboardist this morning, a, a musician that's helping us out, and, and Pastor Weston on Wednesday night, that is Aaron Carter, and he is Pastor Lydia's fiance, and they are getting married in November, so we're excited to have him with us and playing with us, and um, I'm really sorry, Pastor Andy, at... Um, the Central in Bossier City for stealing both of those guys from you guys. But man, I appreciate you preparing them so that they could come down here and serve us. Hallelujah. And just uh, just one more thing. Uh, man, Pastor Weston, I swear her daddy and I taught her better than that. But she just is. I don't know. I don't know how to help you there, brother. She my wife doesn't yell at me during the LSU game. I, she knows I'm excused from all things during the LSU football game. Um, this morning, I just had to decree and declare today that I am free from LSU football. In Jesus' name, I just had to, to declare that. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 8. I'm going to read this as quickly as possible, but I want to read it every week because if you're looking for a verse, not just to memorize, because memorization sometimes is easily forgotten, but to learn to get in your spirit and, and learn and know when it's needed. John chapter 8, verse 31. Verse 31. This morning, I, I don't want to tell you to beware, but I want to tell you to be aware. And, and when I say be aware, I also want to cover that statement by saying, and you'll hear me say this several more times, that we should be aware, but we should not be afraid. John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide, if you abide, 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 abide in my word. I just am trying to emphasize just that one abiding piece that, that sometimes it's easy for us to forget. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now, now when you abide, you become a believer and, and you begin to know the truth. Watch this, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So he's not just saying, I want you to receive salvation, but I want you to abide in me. And as you receive and, and remain in me, then you shall not only begin to know the truth, but continue to know the truth. And in knowing the truth, you shall begin to understand and receive freedom. Do you see the process? We, we get that. We engage. Salvation is not the end of the process. It's the beginning of the process. So don't just attend church, but, but get active and be active as the church. Ooh, okay. I mean, don't just like come to a service, 
but engage in serving the kingdom of God. Don't just attend church, and, and I may just be a little amen hungry because I just need some rejuvenation this morning, so y'all help me out because I went to sleep angry. Like, that's the first time in a long time I've turned the game off to watch Clemson, okay? So that doesn't happen often. But, but we don't just attend church, okay? Um, we become active as the church, that, that we are the people of God and the ones that, that he calls holy and a, a royal priesthood. Okay, verse 33, they answered him. Now, Jesus is talking to these people, and they answer him and say, we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anyone, except for the Egyptians, Chaldeans, men, and I, I mean, Rome currently. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free. Now listen, this is, for me, by definition, the deepest form of bondage that an individual could be in. Is to be in bondage currently and not even recognize it. To be in bondage currently and ha never have recognized it. Like you don't even recognize that you're... That you're your former father, mother, aunts, uncle, the gen grandparents, the generations that came before you, that you don't even realize that they were in bondage. And you think because you came from them that you're not in bondage. This is the deepest form of, bo of bondage that an, excuse me, an individual could be in. And in fact, we went into kind of studying this out a little bit, and, and we saw in Genesis chapter 20, just in the office on Thursday as I was writing this out and finalizing it all up, we read in Genesis 20 that Abraham went into another place and met another king. And because he was afraid of this king and what he would do to him and his family, he lied to the king and told the king that his wife was his sister. Now, how messed up is that? That you would be so, that you would be so concerned for protecting your own life that you would give your wife away to be with another man. And let me show you what we discovered. And I don't know how I've ever missed this. But Abraham actually wasn't lying. Because he tells the king, I, I really didn't lie. It she really is my sister. Okay, now, I'm not getting into all that. The Old Testament, you know, procreation stuff. But Abraham, she really was his half-sister. They had the same father and a different mother. Genesis chapter 20, verse 12. And just to make sure that I wasn't just reading one verse, I called a professor of theology at Assembly of God Theological Seminary to confirm, okay, is there any discrepancy here? Am I missing anything? He's like, no, I married his sister. What? <laughs> like, I was really hoping that you would tell me that there was another theory out there that I could confirm another way. But this was his half-sister. Sarah was Abraham's half-sister. And I don't want to get too focused on the fact that, that she was his half-sister because God allowed those things. I mean, it all started with Adam and Eve, and that was the only way that it could have began. But the fact that he told a partial truth, he told a partial truth, but even a partial truth in that moment almost caused absolute destruction to an entire nation. Even though he actually wasn't lying, that he found a technicality to manipulate, and I may have recognized it, I was like, oh, 
I used to do that. <laughs> and I ever, that never happens to me anymore. Come on. You understand? He, he told a partial truth. And that's why we all, always say that, that partial disobedience is, is total disobedience. Or, or telling a partial truth is still a, a whole lie. Because watch this. He told a partial truth, but then his son Isaac Similar situation, another king, he wasn't married to his sister, and he said, she's my sister, not my wife. Because his father was willing, because his father was willing to tell a partial lie, he was willing to tell a whole lie. Okay? And then Isaac's son Jacob, Jacob the deceiver, he was so willing to lie, he did it all the time, he even lied about his own identity to his father who had lied. Do you see how every time that we don't deal with what our bondage may be, or we don't deal with our issue, we pass it to the next generation, and it becomes stronger and stronger and worse and worse. But hey, whoa, 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 watch this. Every time that you deal with it and you get free from it, you pass that freedom to the next generation, and they don't even know what you used to be bound by. They don't even recognize it. All they know is, is the freedom. We were at the, I'll tell you this quickly, but Megan and I were at the restaurant and Adeline was eating some chips and, and salsa because and, she's from Louisiana, dadgummit. And so she, um, she was eating that salsa and enjoying it and, and having a good time. And, and I looked over and I said, I don't even know why I said this, but I said, Adeline, did you know that, um, that mommy and daddy, we didn't always live for Jesus? And she's in the mid by she drops her chip in the bowl. Why? You know, she just she couldn't she just couldn't believe that we would do such a thing because all she knows of us is what God's done in our lives and what he's doing currently. She's so free from our past that she doesn't even know it. So Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you whoever commits a sin is a slave of sin. Verse 35, a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son, a child of God, abides forever. You see, a slave, a slave doesn't have any rights whatsoever, but, but a son has unlimited rights forever. Did you get that? As a slave, if we're, if we're still a slave to sin, we have no rights to the kingdom of God outside of Christ. But as a son, adopted son, joint heirs with Jesus, our rights are unlimited forever. Verse 36, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed, or you shall experience absolute freedom. In this series, we've examined two sources of bondage. Two sources of bondage. If you're taking notes, this is where we're going today. The first source of bondage was the battle in us, okay, the battle in us, that's our flesh, that's the battle that we face every morning that, that we wake up with, and it literally weighs us down, and it seems to get heavier every year, amen, okay, you know what I'm saying, we, we're fighting this battle in us, and it, and it comes against us, and we have to teach and train ourselves to fight this and to overcome it, okay, it's flesh, it's, it's not even demonic, it's not even a power and principality of darkness. It's just us, right, that we have to fight on a daily basis. We don't have to teach our children to fuss, right? They just, it's like an inherit 
trait that they come out with. I mean, li- literally, they come out. Like, you know, <laughs> that's, that's automatic. In fact, we want them to do it because that shows that they're breathing and okay. I mean, why can't they come out singing? You know, like come out, hallelujah. That would be, how cool would that be, right? The innocence of a child, just come out. Break every chain. Just this one, okay? <laughs> like freedom and just free and happy. They come out, but they don't. They come out fussing and they come out fighting and they are inherently selfish, right? We are inherently selfish. Um, the, one of the first words that they learn is, is not, yes, ma'am, thank you. It's no! <laughs> and, it's, and it's funny when they say it until they're three, and then it's like, I will shake you. And so, how <laughs> will get that out of you? And so, Megan and I, are, are, we're all, we're, we're with our kids and, and in an, on the rug, and we're trying to teach them, you know, train a child up in the way that they should go. And we're going to have baby dedications in the second service. If you can stick around just for the prayer time, that's going to be a, a great moment for uh, some families and their babies to dedicate those children to the Lord. But, but but we're in the, we're, we had committed to that, and we're, we got them all on the floor, and, and they're kind of doing other things, you know, it's kind of hard to keep their attention, and, and I, I asked one of them, I said, hey, listen, yeah, who, who is supposed to tell, G, tell others that Jesus loves them? I'm trying to teach them, like, go to school and, and tell other people, you know, that Jesus loves you, and, and he loves them, and you share the gospel, right? So who is supposed to tell others that that Jesus loves them. And, and one of the children goes, I don't know. Hey, that's mine. You know, like, that's our favorite word. Mine. Mine. Even, even when it comes to what God requires of us. It's mine. I worked hard for that. I know you gave me the ability and the position and all that stuff, but that's mine. I, I put in hours for that. And I'm not trying to condemn you if, if you're not in that place, but... But I am calling you, and I, I am saying that I believe so much in a cheerful heart. And, and I actually believe that you can, you can break off some things in your life when you just learn how to be obedient in every area of your life. Therefore, if a son makes us free, we're, we're free indeed. There's this battle in us called our flesh, Galatians 5:17, for the flesh lust against the spirit. But the, the flesh is not alone in us, okay? Because the spirit fights back against the flesh. They are contrary to one another, and so we do not do the things that we wish. Whether it's that we do the things we wish we wouldn't do, or we don't do the things that we wish we would do, because of this struggle on the inside. So... Uh, we've got this battle of the flesh and the spirit, and we ask the question, which one am I living for? Or which one am I living by? Am I living by the flesh, or am I living by the spirit? And then, in fact, we said, which one's the strongest in me? Which one is the, the strongest? Well, the answer to that is, whichever one I feed the most, that's the one that will be the strongest. If, if I feed my spirit, then my spirit will be stronger. If I feed my flesh, like on... Uh, on Instagram and Facebook and the news and the media and sometimes even the HGTV network. <laughs> we just, I'm feeding my 
Sometimes it's, it's on that Food Network. Man, that's my favorite channel ever. I have made things I didn't even know were in my kitchen trying to do what they were doing on TV. And it's not even necessarily evil things, right? But I'm, but I'm feeding my desires and, and my flesh, and, and then I get the I wants, right? And then I think that the American dream is God's vision for me, and I missed out on his desires and his destiny for me. So I need to spend more time feeding my spirit, feeding my spirit. There's a, there's a fast track to victory in this area. We read this in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 17. Jesus called his disciples, the 12 that were like living with him, unbelieving and perverse. Oh, faithless or unbelieving and perverse generation. Now, unbelieving spoke to their lack of connection with Jesus. That's what unbelieving or faithless, that represented their lack of connection with Jesus. And then perverse represented that they were too connected to the world and the things of the world. So because they had a lack of faith in Jesus and they were too connected to the world, Jesus said, you, you can't do that. You can't you can't cast this thing out. You're not going to find victory in this area. And the people that you want to pray for and have influence over are not going to find victory in this area either because you're too connected to the world and you're not closely enough connected to me. And he says in verse uh, 21 that this kind, like this thing, is only fixed by fasting, and by praying and by fasting. Why? Because praying reconnects us with Jesus. And fasting disconnects us from the world. And this happens to fall at the perfect time. Because today, like this afternoon, I was going to start it at lunch, but I just felt delivered. Because we're having step three of next steps. And if you came to step one and two and you have not been to step three, come to step three today. I'm not going to tell you who's cooking or what they're cooking, but I can promise you Jesus is allowing me to eat it for just this lunchtime, and I'm going to extend my fast into next Sunday night, begin it tonight, and it's not really a heavy fast. It's like I'm not just drinking water for the next seven days, okay? I'm just going to eat clean. I'm going to limit myself to one cup of coffee, and I'm going to make sure that I either get up early and spend time with the Lord, or I'm going to not eat lunch and spend time with the Lord because it's not what you give up that counts the most. It's what you begin to do that counts the most. It's not the habits that you stop that are the most important in your life. It's the habits that you form. And so I'm going to spend the next seven days, we as a staff, and I want to encourage you to join us. If you want to fast track to victory in an area in your life, if you want to fast track to victory over your flesh, pray and fast, and you can join us for the next few days. I can promise you this. The Word of God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's a promise. I illustrate it with this story. I was in Chandler, Texas, and, and Adeline was maybe three years old. She was about Gabriel's age. And, and sometimes Adeline would do this thing where she would, you know, not want to tell me bye. Or she just kind of, to her, she's kind of like a cat. You know, it just kind of depends on what mood she's in. She's hungry, she's sweet. You know, it's like, if not, was, and she may be curled up to you and all of a sudden just, <laughs> you know, it just may happen. I don't know, it's just personality type. It's okay, it's fine. 
Um, but this morning, I was like, hey, okay, I love you. And I wasn't mad. I was just like, okay, I love you. I got to go. And I ran out. And man, apparently, she just like broke down. And she starts, I mean, I got out, and I was in my truck, and I was, I was leaving, and she bust out the door of the garage, screaming, Daddy, Daddy, yeah. I mean, I, I threw my truck in the park. The garage door was coming down on it. On, like, it was coming down, but I saw her, Daddy, yeah. I jumped out of my truck and about broke every mechanism in that garage door, jumping over that little red light. I'm kicking that thing and holding the deal up, and it's but I'm going back to my baby. I say that illustration because I want you to understand that even if you just messed it up, and even if you just weren't paying attention, that if you will, if you'll just stop what you're doing, and you will call out to the Father. He will break down any wall that you may think is in the way. He will get to his baby whenever that baby cries out for him. There was nothing that could have stopped me in that moment. If that sucker would have been down, I might would have, instead of just pressing the button, I don't know, I was like, Kaduk, no, I'm going through this thing. God will do whatever it takes, man, to get to you whenever you cry unto him. That was our first battle. The battle against the flesh. There's a second battle. It's not the battle in us. It's the battle against us. There are powers and principalities of darkness that we, that we will face in this life. And it got a little heavy, okay? Put your waders back on, okay? It's going to get a little thick, okay? I'm not trying to scare you, remember? I'm trying to inform you. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to be aware. So we... Just last week, we spent a lot of times, we began to talk about the demonic and, and even Lucifer and the, the third of heaven that fell with him. But if a third fell, then two-thirds are still up there, and that means that every one that's fighting against you, Jesus has two that are fighting for you. And by the way, he doesn't even really need his angels. He just lets them be involved. <laughs> because in the last days, he's going to send just one of the angels to lock up Lucifer and throw him in the lake of fire for eternity. So you need to remember on your worst day, God is standing right there. He's just waiting on you to look to him and let him take care of it. Settle your heart and your spirit because he's bigger than anything that the enemy can throw against you. Fear not, for I have overcome the world. That's what he says. Now, we fight some spirits, though. It's a real thing. They battle in us. And I heard a story of a pastor and his son driving down the road, and then we were in in Lafayette just yesterday, and they passed this place and it said, it said, wine and spirits. And then I passed another shop. Now listen, I'm, this is not a condemnational thing, okay? I'm not trying to make it condemnational. But yesterday, I, I passed a big store and on the f- storefront it said, spirits, Halloween. Okay, look, look. We're going to have an alternative and we're going to do some things. I've, I've watched some movies before that I, I could sense just a spirit. And it's not even the movies that you would think. I mean, like it was movies that should have been okay. But I could, man, I could just sense the, the spirit in them. Listen, hear, hear me, okay? And I don't care. Wherever this applies for you, and, and I understand, I'm not trying to make my personal conviction a biblical absolute. You've got to let Jesus work some of that stuff out in you. Okay, but but we cannot 
expect to just put things in us and it not have any influence over us. Okay? We, we can't do that. In fact, um, if Jesus isn't in it, then it may be okay just turn it off. Which is why I turned the TV off last night during the middle of that game. Jesus was not in that. I changed the channel. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now listen, <laughs> I just wanted to lighten it up because that's a heavy thing, right? But listen, watch this. If Jesus died for it, turn it off. If, if Jesus stretched out his hands at the cross of Calvary on behalf of the thing that I'm about to see or do or be a part of, then just stop and remember that he's already paid for that and you don't have to go through the consequence of it again, that you can be free indeed. Okay? If, if, it, if it put him on the cross, leave it where it is. Turn away. The Bible actually says, shun the very appearance of evil. Now, he doesn't want you to be like a religious weirdo that never talks to people or have any fun, okay? The Bible, I love, Joey Johnson always says, the Bible calls us a peculiar people, not weird, okay? <laughs> Don't be weird, okay? That's not going to win anybody. We have to be able to relate to people through relationship. But at the same time, we can't be so loose that we get bound by the things that Jesus really wants us to be free from because he already paid for it. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? The enemy does not want you to receive it that way. He does not want you to hear this message. He's going to do everything that he can to get you to ignore this. Well, I can watch that. Oh, I can go there. Oh, I can do this. And that's what we do. And, and, and we begin to compromise. And then when we compromise enough, we begin to compartmentalize. And then the more that we compromise and compartmentalize, the less consistent we are in our relationship. And then all of a sudden, we don't have any confidence to be who God's called us to be. And we can't achieve it. And then we blame God. Do you see the process? We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. Many of us are not free because we don't recognize the bondage that we're faced with. Many of us are not free because we don't recognize the bondage that we're in. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 through 13. Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's crafty. He's crafty. He's learned our culture. And he knows that if he can put it on ABC and make it funny, then we'll let it in our house. He's crafty. That's why God says, put on the whole armor, the helmet of salvation. That's the one that goes around our head. The salvation inside of us that begins to know the truth and the truth that sets us free so that when we see that thing that we know we don't need, we got the helmet of salvation on and we see it for what it is. It's not funny. It's not a joke. It's not a light issue. It's a sin that leads unto death. We change the channel. You see what I'm saying? Freedom. It is for freedom that he set us free. We be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly place. Oh, Paul, come on, man. That's, come on. Wickedness, demons, 
Therefore, take up, that's our responsibility, the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, there's our responsibility again. Well, I'm just going to pray and believe, brother. No, no, no. You need to take up and stand sometimes as well. I'm all for praying and believing, but there is a moment when prayer has had its time, and it's now time to grab the microphone and declare over people's lives what Jesus paid for and bought for them so that they can operate in it, and so can their children and their children's children and everybody else that they have influence over. Take it up, put it on, and stand. We've been praying and asking and hoping and believing for long enough it's time for us to operate in that which God has already paid Paul gives us another warning I'm having fun I didn't grow up being able to have this much fun in church y'all forgive me if y'all don't really just having fun Acts chapter 13 verse 40 Paul says beware therefore this is where we'll settle in today and even wrap up beware therefore lest What has been spoken in the prophets comes upon you. Be beware. Okay, I didn't like that. And I don't really feel like that that was a good translation. Because beware is like, there's a dog in my backyard, they'll chew your leg off. (laughs) That's what beware, that's all I think of. Beware of dog. It may be like chihuahua, but they got the sign, you know, He's barking into a megaphone to make it sound more intimidating. <laughs> don't, don't be afraid. That's not, that's not what God is saying. He's saying, I, I want you to be aware, not afraid. I want you to be aware of what's going on so that you can make sound decisions in and for your life. And you can not only receive my forgiveness, but you can remain in my freedom. Lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Now, I'm not going to read this passage just for the sake of time, but um, it, this, this is a reference in, in verse 41 of Acts chapter 13 of uh, the minor prophet Habakkuk. Um, and I, I say it that way on purpose because it's easier for me. I've, I've heard of some, some seminary theologians that said uh, Habakkuk, you know, and, and then this... This young guy, he said, you mean Habakkuk? And, and the seminary professor said, um, I guess in your primitive language, that could be how you say it. And so I just decided to remain primitive because it's easier. So uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, uh, verse 5 and 6. And in verse 5, the minor prophet is describing what's going to happen to Israel at the hands of, of the Chaldeans. Now, the Chaldeans in the Old Testament, they, they represented demonic powers and principalities. They, they represented Lucifer and the third of heaven that fell. So everything that we are reading about the, the Chaldeans are actually a representation of, of the demonic. In fact, we even went over this last week, but in verse 6, the Chaldeans are referred to as um, going to possess dwelling places that are not there. This is Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 6. And I'm just explaining this, so just walk with me for a second. If you're taking notes, just write it down. You go study it out later. The Chaldeans, they, they tried to possess dwelling places that were not theirs. And that's what, that's what demonic spirits do. That's, 
That's what Lucifer is, is trying to do. He, he's, he, that's how it started. He tried to possess a dwelling place in heaven that was not his. And the Bible says because of the abundance of his, tra- of his, abundance of his trading, because uh, of the abundance of his trying to possess something that did not belong to him, God said, enough's enough. And he cast him out. And, and Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like a bolt of lightning. It was in an instant. All God did was speak a word. He's gone. Listen, all you have to do is speak a word. Now, you may not feel it, but, but listen, don't hold God accountable to our lack of faith that affects our feelings. Well, I didn't feel anything. So what? Who cares if you felt anything? The Bible didn't say that you would have feelings. It said you would have faith that could move mountains. Okay? So don't hold God accountable to, to our feelings. We, we speak it and it happens. You see uh, the Chaldeans in this passage described in three ways. The first way is that they're described as thieves. Just like demonic spirits, they're looking for a place to inhabit. They're looking for a place to inhabit. They come in, a spirit is looking for a body to dwell in. And remember, they like to stay in places that they already had a stronghold. So just because you're delivered in a moment doesn't mean that that thing's not going to make a round and come back and try to get back in there or try to influence you again. Okay, and some people get really frustrated at this. Man, I already, I was already freed from that. Okay, well, we're still here. Okay? And, and that billboard's still going to be there on the way to work. Okay, um, and, and that person uh, is still going to be in your life on a weekly or a monthly basis. You're still going to have to face yourself tomorrow morning. That store is still going to be there on the way home from work. And that commercial and show are still going to come on or Hollywood's going to produce it. Are you with me? So you got to not just be free, but, but stay free. Because the thief is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief or the enemy, it doesn't just represent Lucifer. Because here's good news. Lucifer, again, is not omnipresent. Like Lucifer's not under every rock and around every tree. Okay? It's not always the devil's fault. <laughs> He has an army, though. Remember, a third of heaven fell with him. And he, he has an army. And, and if, if we think that Lucifer came against us, then really there's only a couple of people in Scripture that we see Lucifer come against, and one of them was Jesus. And Jesus did merit Lucifer's attention. But I want you to remember that when Lucifer came against Jesus, in his weakest moment as a man, when he had been in the desert, Fasting and praying for 40 days and 40 nights, Lucifer waited until the exact moment to come into that desert. Because remember, he's crafty and he's a thief. And he'll wait till our weakest moment to come and plant the attack. Okay? And so he did that to Jesus. But Jesus used what was already inside of him. Jesus used the word of God to fight back and to battle and to beat him in that moment. Lucifer is not God. Yeah, he has an army. And if he came after Jesus, he will probably come after us. 
But you have to remember who you belong to. It may be a spirit, but Jesus makes us free. I do not have to be afraid. I just have to be aware and say his name. And I can continue in the freedom that I had yesterday, even when I don't feel it. Number two, they're not just thieves, but they're wanderers. They're wanderers. Watch this in Luke chapter 11, verse 23. Jesus again is speaking. He says, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me, he he gathers with me, scatters. Or you could translate that word as, as wanders. Verse 24. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless. It passes through or it, it wanders. One interpretation, the uh, revised version actually says the word wanders through waterless or dry places. Okay. Seeking rest and not finding any. Now he's talking about a demonic spirit. Not finding any. Help me, Lord. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. See? Verse 25, and when, when it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. Verse 26, then it goes and takes along seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they go in and live there, and the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. The Bible says it was swept and kept in order. But it was not full. See, that house was found empty. And so often we receive salvation and forgiveness. And and God empties us of all the mess that doesn't need to belong. But then we don't go and continue in abiding in him and his word. And and that's why this is so important. It's so important that we we go through next steps. And and we go through all three steps. And we we plug into a small group. And we surround ourselves with people that we don't just get or receive salvation. But that we grow. That we don't just meet people. But we grow closer to God together. On purpose. Like not accidentally. That if we can't make it to any of these small groups. Or we, we can't make it to church. Or whatever. We, we log in. Or we call in. Or we stay accountable to people. And we surround ourselves with people that want the same things that we want. Because we have to keep ourselves full. We can't be empty. Well, I feel, I, I feel empty, Pastor. I, I, I feel dry right now. Okay, listen, then, then you can get, that's okay. Here's the good news. This is not even a spiritual issue. You have the ability to eat. <laughs> like, you're not, you don't have to remain a baby that needs somebody else to feed you. You can eat. You can read, you can worship, you can control what you put in. And what you put in controls what comes out. You have the ability to be free. And then a a woman in this verse, in in verse 27, said something, yells out something really awkward that I'm not going to read. But in verse 28, watch this. Jesus says, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God And observe it. That's how you not only get free, but remain free. Is to be aware and not afraid. 
and to, to be full and blessed and not just hear the word of God that we preach every Sunday or every week or that you turn on the TV and hear sometimes if you stumble across the right channel. But that you observe it, you apply it to your life in every area that you can. Here's the final thing. Pastor John, would you guys come? In this passage in Habakkuk chapter 1, the prophet compares the Chaldeans to wolves. Now, I give you just kind of a, the nature of wolves, and I've said this a little bit. Remember, I'm, I'm actually talking about Lucifer and the third of heaven, the army, right, that they plan and, and prepare. And actually, the Bible says something that they're like locusts, like those I guess that's those things that do the thing in the trees over my house you know, that are like really loud. I thought they were tree frogs. I was like, hey, look at those tree frogs. No, it's those things, you know? And the Bible compares Lucifer and the army to like a swarm of those things. Um, but then he also says they're like wolves. Watch this. Wolves, they're interesting because... It's, it's rare in, in a wolf that you would see a wolf attack alone. In, in fact, they're cunning. Wolves, wolves don't just attack. They study. They watch, they watch their prey. Kind of like the night that David was on his balcony and, and Bathsheba just happened to be taking a bath. Okay, David happened to not be at war with his army like he always had been. He happened to be home, and he happened to come out on his balcony at exactly the right time, and Bathsheba happened to take off her clothes and get in a bathtub and not know that the king would be standing on his balcony and see her in the form that God created her in. Those all just happened. No, 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 friend. That was a plan, an attack of the enemy, a cunning, crafty, wily enemy that waited for just the right moment to attack David. They're cunning. They study. And then watch this. They surround their prey. In fact, when a wolf is howling, he's not like howling um, for help or excitement. He's howling for reinforcements. Like he's howling because he's found something that he wants the rest of the pack to come and get involved in. And then, as a pack, they attack. And their prey falls subject because their prey was caught unaware. So don't be afraid, but be aware. This is a final reference. It's not Paul or Habakkuk, but Peter. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter says um, that the devil enemy, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, it's interesting that he says a roaring lion, because I heard this, and supposedly a, a, a male lion doesn't really spend a lot of time roaring, unless, unless he's older, and, and his teeth are worn down, and some have even fallen out. So he can't do what he used to be able to do. Can't run like he used to be able to. He can't attack 
the way that he used to be able to attack. Are you with me? Telling you he can't do what he used to be able to do and he can't attack the way that he used to be able to attack. So he's a roaring, toothless, old lion because I understand I should not be afraid, but I should be aware. Let me just leave you something to be aware of this morning. That the enemy may prowl like an old, toothless, roaring lion, but there's another lion that I read about in the book of Revelation. And it's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Revelation chapter 5 verse 3 says, No one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look at it. Verse 4. So I wept. John says, I looked at this situation with no hope and I wept because there was no one found worthy to open or even read the scroll and look at it. Verse five. But one of the elders said to me, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what you've been battling this week. I don't know what you carried in this place, in the sanctuary and what you were dealing with during worship. But I'm telling you, even though you might have walked in here feeling like there was no hope and there was nobody watching, Nobody worthy to open it, set you free, or even look at the scroll and read the story of your life. I'm telling you, there's an elder in here today saying, look ahead. I see the one. Do not weep. Do not be afraid. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Now, when he had taken the scroll, four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and gold and bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints somebody's been praying for you baby somebody's been watching your situation and believing with you to break through and I'm telling you your moment of breakthrough is going to be found today in the presence of the king he's the one who took the scroll he's the one with the golden bowls full of incense he's the one receiving the prayers of the saints and verse 9 says they sang a new song saying you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. I'm telling you, you were slain yesterday, but you don't have to stay that way. You were bound yesterday, but you don't have to stay that way. You were hurting yesterday, but you can be healed in the sanctuary today. You were broken, but you can be put back together. You may have been oppressed, but Jesus came to set you free and set you free forever because he who the Son made free shall be free indeed there is a lion that is not roaring he's just waiting for you to come to him and show you that he is your king he is your king thank you guys for just celebrating that moment with me but can we just take it back just for a minute you guys can be seated because I want to help everybody that's still trying to understand the excitement coming out of this it's more than a show there's substance in this thing I fasted and prayed not every day but every week for a year when I was hurting and I, and I didn't understand and, and I was still doing some things that I shouldn't have been doing while I was in ministry but I'm telling you I reconnected with Jesus and he began to help me to go through the process of removing the wrong things and putting the right things back in. And then he helped me dream again. 
And he helped me have vision. And he helped me have purpose. And I stand before you today, not as a pastor of a church, but as a... Shoot, I looked at her. As a 33-year-old husband that Jesus is setting free. As a 33-year-old daddy whose sons and daughters shall not reap what was being sown because Jesus had a better crop for them to pick from. And you can too. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today? I just want to ask you the question. If you've never received salvation, if you don't know that you're saved and you want to be, if you've never received Jesus or it's been a really long time since you've received Jesus and you know today that you need to receive salvation, if you would be willing to be included in the prayer that I'm going to pray in a minute and just admit not only to yourself but to everybody that doesn't know what's in your heart and you would say pastor that's me I want to be included in this prayer I need to receive salvation I need to be saved I need to be born again would you just raise your hand right where you are and say that's me I see you anybody else I see you thank you I see you anybody else I see you son anybody else I see you, brother. Anybody else? I need to receive salvation today. I need to receive salvation. Come on, don't miss this moment. Don't miss the moment this morning. I need to receive salvation today. I see you. Thank you. Can I ask you another question? If you're in here today and you've received salvation before, but... You've been struggling to remain in that salvation that you once received. And you'd like to re either receive again or, or recommit in a way that you haven't committed before. Would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to recommit to the process today. I need to receive salvation and remain. I see you, brother. Thank you. Anybody else? I see you. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? I see you. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? I just need to recommit. I need to recommit because I received it, but I haven't remained in him and I need to. I want to recommit today. Can I ask you one more question? If you're in this place and you feel like you've been facing a battle that's bigger than you and you want to settle it before you walk out of here today, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. I feel like I'm facing a battle that's bigger than me. I want to pray over that today. I want to hand it to Jesus and I don't want to carry it out of here. I want to trade his burden for my burden. I see you, sweetheart. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Come on, would you stand with me all over this sanctuary? If you raised your hand, would you say this prayer with me as you're standing? As you're standing, I just want you to say this prayer with me. Don't lose this moment. Don't lose the moment. Hone in just for a few more minutes. Say this prayer with me. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. The things I've done wrong. The places I fall short. Because they separate me 
from you and your will for my life. Cleanse me, save me, forgive me, and make me right. I know you love me. I want to receive your love. Take my life. Make it yours. Help me to follow you every day in every way for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. In an attitude of prayer, stay right there. Father, I just pray for every person that raised their hand right now. I pray that you would seal this in their hearts. God, that you would break open the seal on the, on the envelope of the hidden thing that they didn't think that you had control of or you, they didn't think that you saw because I'm here today to tell them that you see them and you wrote this message to speak directly to the heart of the issue and that we should be aware but we should not be afraid because you have overcome the world and its devil and there is absolutely nothing that is impossible in you. So help us to abide in you and therefore accomplish what you created us for, to be free in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you would, do us a favor before you leave today. First of all, I want our prayer team to just kind of spread out right here along the side, maybe even up the front. If you need prayer before you leave in any area of your life, okay, I just want you to stop by one of these people on your way out. I just want you to go to them as soon as we dismiss. You can just carry this moment right over, even as everybody else is visiting, and just come up to one of these people um, who are prepared and ready and, and really want to pray with you, and, and let them pray with you before you leave today. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you just fill out a card, write your name on it, and tell us the decision that you made so that we can know what to and how to pray with you and celebrate with you and even declare and agree with you that you would not just receive salvation, but you would remain in it. Whatever it is that you need to do, make that and get that done. If that doesn't apply to you, I want to pray one more prayer of blessing over you and set you free. All you early risers that wanted to get out of here and try to rejuvenate with the Saints game, I wish you the best. And I pray that you would have a great afternoon. Pray for us as you go. We've got a another group that's going to come in and pack the house and receive what God has for them as well. Just hold out your hands like I'm handing you a present if you're comfortable with that. If not, just receive. Father, we love you, and I thank you today for your people. I thank you for their families and their friends. I pray that you would bless us and keep us, that your face would shine upon us and be gracious to us, that you would lift up your countenance upon us and help us to receive your peace. God, I pray that any area of our lives that we need to be free in, that we would pursue you and therefore receive your freedom that is found in your presence. I pray that you would anoint us to accomplish your will, to walk in your ways, fill us with your spirit, and empower us to be a witness for you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If there's somebody in here that you don't know, make sure that you meet them before you leave today. And uh, have a great afternoon.